hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Sorry guys, my voice feels like it's about this close to being lost, so I've got a bit of a survival kit up here, some cough drops, some water, and I hope that I don't cough uh, loudly into your ears all for the rest of this evening, but appreciate your, your grace with that. Well, good evening. Great to be with you guys. As Georgia said earlier, my name is Josh Taylor, and I am part of our evening service family here, and uh, thank you, and um, it's great to be with you guys tonight. We are currently exploring the gifts of the Spirit that God gives to His people. So last week, we talked about how these spiritual gifts have sometimes been overemphasized and sometimes been underemphasized, but how when they are set in their proper place, they can be incredible tools for loving the people around us. And so we're going to be exploring the different spiritual gifts as we go through the series over the coming weeks. Uh, But for this evening and for next Sunday night, we are going to be specifically focusing on the prophetic gifts, which are gifts that relate to hearing and sensing the voice of God. So this evening, I'm going to be introducing the prophetic gifts, and then next week, we've got the privilege of having Georgia come and share with us for part two of this message for the first time in her new role. Uh, So that's going to be really, really great. You're going to want to make sure that you're here for that one as well. And talking about the prophetic gifts is always an exciting topic. Uh, But before we jump into that, let's take a moment to pray and invite God to come and speak to us tonight. So Holy Spirit, we invite you into this space. We thank you that you are uh, the God who cares, the God who draws near, the God who comes close. And so Lord, I pray that you would come close to us tonight. Lord, that uh, there would be a real sense in this room Uh, that you are among us, that you're with us, that you're moving, and that you're speaking. Lord, I pray that you would give to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we approach your word and as we approach this subject tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see things that we could not see before. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. So in the Greek language that the New Testament was written in, there were two different words that they used to describe time. It was chronos and kairos time. So chronos time speaks of the chronological unfolding of time. It describes the sort of time that most of life is filled with, sort of the day in and day out of life. Now, whereas chronos time has an element of mundaneness or averageness to it, kairos time describes moments that are pregnant with opportunity or consequence. They are trajectory-defining pivot points of life and society. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech represented a kairos moment that ultimately led to the end of segregation in America. The decision to close New Zealand's border and to lock the country down last year represented a Kairos moment that put our country on a different path than most of the rest of the world. 
And the person who comes into church for the first time and finds the love of Jesus can experience a kairos moment that can change the whole direction of their life. In short, kairos moments are those life-altering moments where everything can change. And I remember a time where I experienced a bit of a kairos moment myself. So when I was 15 years of age, I met Jesus. And about a year after I met him, I was uh, attending this event at a church in my hometown. <clears throat> and at this event, it was the first time that I had gone and it was the first time I'd ever been exposed to people using the gift of prophecy. And so there were some people there and there was a microphone and some people were sharing, hey, I feel like God might be saying this. God sensed that God's saying that. And all I could think to myself was, I have been a Christian for a year. How come nobody's told me that God can speak to me? And so I'm sitting there and I go, Lord, okay, if you're willing to speak to all of these other people in the room, well, then is there anything that you would like to say to me? And do you know what he said? Nothing. Didn't say anything. So I said, oh, that's all right. I'm not upset. No big deal. Cool, 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 cool. That's all good. That's good. No doubt. And, uh, you know, I was, I was upset, but I didn't tell God that I was upset, so he didn't know, right? And um, so I'm sitting there and just trying to get my heart right. And, and about 15 minutes goes by, and suddenly I begin to notice that I'm feeling this weight begin to press down on my chest. And it's getting more and more intense to the point that I can't ignore it. And then suddenly something happens that, had never that I had never experienced before when I heard a voice inside of my chest. And what I heard was this voice saying, I hop, 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 over and over again. Now, this immediately threw me a bit because my father actually was the manager of it uh, in the United States, popular pancake restaurant called IHOP, uh, for about 15 years. <clears throat> and so my first thought was, I think the Almighty is speaking to me, and he's talking to me about breakfast. But then something, after a few seconds, just clicks in my understanding, and I have this understanding that I have to go to the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri. And so <clears throat> have this experience. I go up to one of the ladies at this event and I say, hey, that thing that you guys do, I think it's just happened to me. And so she said, oh, well, did you get like a, a, a picture or an impression? And I said, well, this is what happened. She goes, ah, okay, it's not like crazy normal. Uh, but she said, um, I think you should ask God for some confirmation. So I said, okay, well, you're the expert here. Lord, I need some confirmation. So two weeks later, I, went to, I got invited to go to a different church that was in a, a town about 45 minutes drive away. And they had a guest speaker uh, at this church at that time. <clears throat> and um, so I'm there. I don't know anybody. Obviously, I don't know this guest speaker. And she's speaking on hearing God's voice. And then afterwards, she takes some time and she's praying and she's asking God to speak to her about some different people in the room. And she gets this part and she says, I feel like the Lord's telling me that there's someone in this room who felt like they heard something from him recently, and it had something to do with going to the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri. And I think I fell out of my chair, genuinely. <clears throat> so <clears throat> that word of confirmation 
was an incredible Kairos moment for me because I did end up going to the International House of Prayer. I went there for four years with my wife. And over the course of those four years, I spent, I've estimated over 3,000 hours in the place of worship and prayer. And that completely transformed who I am and has profoundly shaped who I am today. And so <clears throat> the entire trajectory of my life changed with that one prophetic word. And that is the beauty of the prophetic gifts because with the help of God's spirit moving through us, the prophetic gifts can enable us to give away kairos moments to other people that can change their lives. Now that's not the only way that we can change people's lives, but it is a pretty cool way. So tonight we're going to explore a few questions as we look at this topic. And the questions we're going to explore are, number one, what are the prophetic gifts? Number two, how do I move in the prophetic gifts? And number three, how do I practically grow in the prophetic gifts? Now, it needs to be said that the journey of growing in any of our spiritual giftings is not something that generally happens overnight. It's a journey that can have many challenges and many disappointments along the way. But I believe that if we are willing to put aside our fear and our disappointments and step out in faith, that we can actually, over time, become messengers of love who give away life-changing moments to the people around us. And that's pretty cool. So let's jump in, take a look at our first question. What are the prophetic gifts? <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to cough and not blow your eardrums out. In 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul gives a list of some of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the people of God. It says, starting in verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another work of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So there's three gifts that I want to pull out of this list of spiritual gifts and highlight to you tonight. They are... The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the gift of prophecy. Now, quick disclaimer, there are some different definitions around these terms, depending on which theologians you ask, uh, but I personally believe that you can define these three gifts as all relating to the supernatural ability to be able to perceive what God is saying and to then use that perception to be a messenger of love who blesses and builds other people up. In short, these three gifts make up what we call the prophetic gifts. So I'd like to define what each of these are. And again, not everyone agrees on these definitions, but for the sake of clarity, these are the definitions that have seemed to make the most sense to me over the years. So the first prophetic gift is the word of wisdom. So this describes the unique ability to speak forth the wisdom of God in a particular situation as shown in, say, Acts chapter 6 or 7 when Stephen, the disciple, was given the right words to speak when he appeared before the high priest. 
And I remember about three years ago, I was in a bit of a period of my life where I was just kind of feeling stuck. And life was going okay, but I didn't really feel like I was going anywhere in my relationship with God. And I was up on top of the Port Hills, and I happened to bump into this guy that I met at a worship event a few months earlier that was down in Tecpo, which is kind of a random connection. This guy's name was Michael, and we talked for a minute, and then he shared that he was sensing that God wanted to have him share a prophetic word with me. And so I said, well, I'm all ears. And so he took a moment, he prayed, and uh, what he sensed was, he said, I feel like the Lord's showing me that he's had you in this season of spiritual restraint. Uh, he said, and it's almost felt like you, you're not moving, like you're not going anywhere. He said, but the Lord wants you to know that this isn't a permanent season and that this restraint is only there to prepare you uh, for the season that is coming. And uh, that God was inviting me to trust him in that process. And when he shared that word, it just so resonated with my heart. And I went away feeling so known by God, so encouraged, so hopeful, and so guided by the wisdom of that word that was inviting me and reminding me to trust God even when I didn't like the season of life that I was in. So the gift of the word of wisdom, when used properly, can bring the shepherding voice of God to a situation and call people to greater trust and greater love and greater obedience to Jesus. So that's the word of wisdom. The next prophetic gift is the word of knowledge. So this is the unique ability to declare knowledge that could only be revealed supernaturally. Essentially, it's knowing something that you could not know in and of yourself. An example of this could be found in Acts chapter 9 when God spoke to Ananias and told him to go to a specific house on a very specific street and that there he would find the man named Saul of Tarsus who would actually go on to become the apostle Paul. And so Ananias did go to that specific house on that specific street and he did find Saul of Tarsus. So Ananias could not have known that information in and of himself. It had to be revealed supernaturally. And one time, there was this really cool conference that was happening in my hometown, and myself and a group of other attendees went out to lunch at uh, kind of a divey restaurant in my hometown called Arlene's Diner. And one of the guys who came to lunch with us was visiting the conference. He lived in a city about three hours' drive south. And honestly, I can't even remember the guy's name, but I remember that he was the son of one of the pastors who was also attending this conference. And the waitress comes over and she's asking us, what, what can I get you, what can I get you? And she goes, what can I get for you, sir? And he says, yeah. He said, I'll, I think I'll have the burger and the fries. And he said, and uh, by the way, I just felt like God spoke to me. And I feel like he just told me that you've been working here for six years and that you have some problems with your back. And I just remember this waitress's eyes just getting wide, and it was just complete bewilderment. And she said, how do you know that about me? And so this is all unfolding in front of me as we're having this lady take our, our orders. This guy reaches over, says, can I pray for you? Puts a hand on her, prays for her. Her back gets instantly healed, uh, and uh, he gets a chance to share about the love of Jesus with her. And uh, it was one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen. And I just could not get my head around at the time that I just witnessed a miracle happen in Flippin' Arlene's Diner. 
could not believe it. So the gift of the word of knowledge, when used properly, can reveal God to people and leave them feeling incredibly known by him. Or known, as some of you might say. The last of the prophetic gifts is the gift of prophecy. Now, many scholars and theologians believe that this gift is the telling forth of God's message in a particular situation. And it's always in agreement with his word and with his current work. It can include the ability to receive knowledge of future events, like the Apostle Paul did in Acts 27 when the Spirit revealed to him that the ship that he was on would be shipwrecked, but that everyone on board would be saved. So the gift of prophecy has this slightly broader definition of being the ability to hear God speaking in a number of different ways to a number of different situations. So that's the gift of prophecy. So in this list, the gifts of the word of wisdom and knowledge and the gift of prophecy are sort of defined as these three separate gifts. But you should know that within the church, they're often... uh, lumped together and simply referred to as prophetic words or sort of referred to as this umbrella term of the gift of prophecy. And some people do get pretty feisty about calling the three gifts specifically what they are, but I've personally never felt overly precious about making sure I refer to something, ah, yes, that's a word of wisdom, ah, yes, that's a word of knowledge, ah, yes, I think that's the gift of prophecy. And that's because in many ways, whether you are giving or receiving one of those three gifts, they're really just multiple facets of the same ability to perceive what God is saying. And honestly, at least in my experience, they often overlap with each other. But that said, no matter which of the prophetic gifts we are using, they should always be in line with what 1 Corinthians 14.3 tells us which is that he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So the purpose of all of the prophetic gifts is to encourage people, to call them into greater love and obedience to Jesus, and to strengthen their sense of comfort and their sense of hope. And so when we use these gifts in the right way, I believe we can become messengers of love who give life-changing moments away to the people around us. So that's the prophetic gifts. But the next question we're looking at is, how do I move in the prophetic gifts? When it comes to answering the question of how do I actually move in the prophetic gifts, there is a simple model that I've seen a number of people use, and I have also used myself. It's not the only model out there, uh, but it's one that I've found really helpful. Sorry. So I'd like to share it with you. This model involves three simple steps to moving in the prophetic gifts. The three steps are revelation, interpretation, and application. So step number one, revelation. This is asking, is God speaking? And what is God saying? So the vast majority of the time when God speaks, it's not with a thundering voice from heaven it's often a lot more like a whisper. And I believe most prophetic information that's given by God is is often given as faint impressions. And these impressions can take the form of pictures or sentences or words or feelings that we have. 
and they require a bit of faith to step out with, and they also require a bit of humility to not overstate them. For example, I was praying for someone up in Palmerston North a few months back, and I had this picture flash through my mind of this old key, and this key was covered in oil. And it wasn't a particularly strong impression. I didn't feel anything specifically weighty about that picture. And so I had to work out whether or not I felt that it was a picture from God or whether I had made it up. And since I don't spend most of my days pondering old oil-covered keys, uh, I assumed that there was good possibility that it could be from God. Now, being able to tell whether or not something is from God or not isn't always easy, especially when you're just starting out. And in my experience, learning to be able to consistently identify when God is speaking requires a whole lot of trial and error. But over time, I believe that we can grow to trust the impressions and that with practice, that that voice can start to feel more and more familiar to us. Step number two is interpretation. What does the message or the impression that I'm getting mean? After all, up in Palmerston North, I could have shared to the person I was praying for that, hey, I've had a picture of an oily key. But unless they have been praying specifically for God to cover their keys in oil, they're probably not going to get a whole lot out of that. So it's good to get some sense of meaning before you share And if you simply can't seem to get a sense of meaning, then I believe it's good practice to either not share it or to just be honest and say, hey, I've got this picture or I've got this phrase or this sentence. Don't know what it means. Does it mean anything to you? Step number three is application. What do I do with it? Now, this part is very important because some people assume that just because they've sent something that they have to share it right away, or that it has to be shared with the whole room. And God might be asking them to do those things, but nothing should be assumed automatically. So here's some helpful questions to ask yourself at the application stage. Is this message for me, for someone else, or for the whole room? Is this message for me to pray about, or is it for me to share? And if so, when is the appropriate time and how should I go about sharing it with someone? In the case of the person I was praying for up in Palmerston North, I prayed and I had a sense that the meaning of this oily key picture was that God was going to unlock a door that many others had tried many times to unlock but couldn't because the lock was stuck. But because this key was covered in the anointing, in the oil of God, the door that seemed impossible would suddenly be unlocked. So that was my gut feeling. So then I felt that I was to share it with the person I was praying for, so I did. It was pretty cool. She told me afterwards that her and her husband had been sensing from God that they were to start a new ministry for the homeless. And She told me that the city council actually had some funding set aside for some different community projects, um, and that many other churches had tried to access this funding, but they'd always gotten a hard no. Uh, She told me this picture was really meaningful to her because actually she had just gotten a call about an hour before from somebody from the city council, 
and they had just let her know that the funding for their program had been approved. So all of a sudden, this faint impression, this flash of a picture, this simple picture of an oily key became a confirmation that solidified this couple's belief that God was, in fact, leading them to start this ministry so that they could help look after some of the most vulnerable people in Palmerston North. So that's also pretty cool. So that's three simple steps to moving the prophetic gifts. Revelation, interpretation, and application. And George is going to talk a little bit more uh, on how we then take that into the community next week. <coughs> but you might be hearing all this. You might be saying, this is exciting. I want to grow in the prophetic gifts. But how do I do that? How do I practically grow in the prophetic gifts? Well, depending on your background, you might have some experience with the prophetic gifts, or you might be here tonight, and you might have none at all, and that's okay either way. So the first way to practically grow in the prophetic gifts is to ask God for them. Jesus once said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And I think desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Why? Well, because these gifts mostly are not for you. They're tools that can help you to love the people around you in incredible ways. <clears throat> the other thing to keep in mind is that growing in the prophetic gifts is not like having a switch turned on. You don't suddenly have the, the tap turned on and you're hearing the thunderings of heaven and having evening chats with the angel Gabriel every night. In my experience, it doesn't work like that. <clears throat> in fact, one time, I remember early on, I was at church, and I had this, this impression, this quick thing uh, come into my spirit, and I felt like I had uh, a scripture for this lady. It was Acts chapter 32, verse 17. And I made the rookie mistake of not looking it up first. I thought, no, I'm just going to step out in faith, and I'm just going to share this because I believe God's speaking to me. So I go up to this lady and say, hey, I feel like the Lord's speaking to me, and he's given you this scripture, Acts 32, verse 17. And she goes, oh, thank you very much. And so I go and I sit down and I started to feel curious. And so then I was like, oh, I'm going to look it up and see what, what the verse says. And uh, when I opened the book of Acts, I realized with horror, uh, when I looked up Acts 32, actually Acts only has 28 chapters. <laughs> so uh, that was wrong. Prophecy is not like a light switch that gets turned on. Instead, growing in prophecy is more like learning how to play basketball. You know, when you first start out, you can't really dribble the ball. It's going all over the place. And only one in ten shots are actually making it into the basketball hoop. And a lot of them are just missing the backboard entirely and hitting somebody in the face. And then you're apologizing. And then it happens again like five minutes later and on and on and on. 
But if you don't allow yourself to stay discouraged with the days of small beginnings, and if you press on and you practice and you practice and you practice some more, eventually you begin to find that suddenly you're able to move that basketball across the court pretty easily. And actually, it's going into the hoop almost every time you take a shot at it now. So you have to work the muscle of prophecy. And as you do, it becomes easier over time. So when you're trying to grow in the prophetic gifts and you make a mistake or two along the way, my encouragement to you is to not equate inexperience with inadequacy. You wouldn't expect a 12-year-old kid to be able to play at the NBA level. So why do we expect ourselves to be amazing at hearing God's voice, especially when we're first starting out? So how do you practically grow in the prophetic gifts? Well, you give it a go, you keep on practicing, and you don't let a few disappointments get in the way of your commitment to grow because it's worth the end result. When it comes to the prophetic gifts, I believe that if we are willing to put aside fear and disappointment and step out in faith, then we can become messengers of love who give life-changing moments to the people around us. Would you guys stand with me? Ah. Can you hear it? It's a good thing we're getting close to the finish line. So as I was prepping for this message, I was reminded of the one and only time that I have gone horseback riding. I was down in Geraldine, and I, I think going into it, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, I think I thought it would be kind of like riding a bike or driving a car. And when we arrived, they let us pick out the horse that we wanted to, uh, you know, to, to ride on. And so I go over, I pick this one out, and uh, the guy let me know that the horse's name, fittingly, was Spirit. And Spirit the horse seemed friendly enough, but I'll tell you what, when I got into that saddle, I suddenly became acutely aware that I was not riding a bike and I was not driving a car. I was sitting on top of a living, breathing creature that could think for itself. And if it decided that it wanted to kill me, it most certainly could. And what I thought would be really easy and natural actually felt a bit uncomfortable, and it required a fair bit of trust on my part. And I think sometimes we think that prophecy or any of the other gifts of the Spirit are like these formulas that we need to work out, that if we just turn the wheel this way or that way, we can just go whichever way that we like. But I think it's important to remember that just as Spirit the horse is a living, breathing being that can think for itself, so also God the Spirit is a living, breathing being who can think for himself. And if we are going to go anywhere together with him, then it is going to require us to grow in trust. But if we're willing to trust him, then I believe it becomes his joy to carry us to places far beyond anywhere we could have ever walked with our own two feet. So in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. But before I do that, maybe you're here tonight, and when it comes to the prophetic gifts, you're feeling a bit like I felt sitting on top of Spirit the Horse, where you're just kind of feeling like, no, I've never really done this before, and you don't really know what you're doing, and you're kind of just hoping that you don't fall off and get hurt. Or maybe you're here tonight, 
and you've tasted the sweetness of what it's like to hear God's voice, but you don't want to settle for yesterday's bread, and you are hungry to be filled with the more that God has for you. If either of those are you, then I want to invite you to close your eyes right now and hold out your hands, just like you're receiving a gift. And I just want to pray for you. So Holy Spirit, we invite you tonight to come and meet us. Lord, just as Georgia did earlier, uh, Lord, we linger in this space. We invite you to come and speak to our hearts. Lord, I speak to the ears of the heart of every person in this room. I say, be opened. Lord, may people hear what they've never heard before. May they hear that inner voice that sounds like a shepherd, sounds like a friend. Would you come and speak to them right now? Lord, for every willing and every hungry heart that's here tonight, Lord, tonight I want to pray for the release of the gift of prophecy. I pray right now for the release of words of wisdom, words of knowledge and the gift of prophecy. I pray that you would release that right now. And Lord, I think of all of the amazing men and women that I've had the privilege of of being inspired by. And Lord, I pray that, that we would believe for more, that we wouldn't settle for today's bread, that we would hunger and thirst, to, that we would earnestly desire to prophesy so that we can go out and we can transform that city that's just there beyond these four walls. Lord, I pray for a great release of your power, a great release right now of your grace. And Lord, I pray, would you take these ones far beyond anywhere you've ever taken me. Lord, may they go forth and hear your voice with clarity. Lord, let my ceiling be their floor. Would you you carry them, Lord, to new places? So church night, we're going to go back into some worship. And I invite you to just respond to God tonight. And if that means talking to him right where you're at, then that's great. But if you also want some, some prayer, I would love to pray with you. Uh, There's some others that would be happy to pray with you. So this space up the front is open uh, for anybody that wants some special prayer. Uh, But I just encourage you to come. Because after all, the gift of prophecy and hearing God's voice is only special because of the one whose voice we are hearing. And so we want to lean in and draw near to him tonight. Let's worship together.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.